talk some golf. Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, happy Wednesday. Uh, US Open Week, uh, another golf major is upon us, the third of the season, and holy smokes. Uh, I'm actually, I guess I'm surprised there isn't more discussion in the space, I felt like this was going to suck the air out of the room this week because the NBA Finals break between games is so long and nobody really wants to talk about baseball. And, you know, we have a couple more weeks till Wimbledon, so there's nothing to go on you now, nothing really to dig your teeth into tennis here. Um, but, the, you know, it's been a little bit muted uh, kind of conversations around the U.S. Open. Most of everything I've seen is kind of focusing on the event itself, which I guess is good. That's what they want. You know, this is the uh, the premier event of the year for the USGA. So. Um, that's fine, but there is an undercurrent about what is going on in the game of golf that I think is an important part of the conversation that we started digging into a little bit last week uh, as we kind of got more understanding of what the Live Golf event, you know, Live Golf Tour was going to look like. We got to actually see an event um, and uh, we decided let's bring in uh, kind of a guy who's got his finger on the pulse of what's going on, not just in the world of golf, but in kind of Europe and worldwide. Um, and that is Julian, the food snob frog, first ever guest appearance on the deep dive proper. We did a spaces with you talking. I was going to say we've but... talked to him. I couldn't remember when it was. Uh, he got into our spaces. Winter Olympics biathlon. We had some winners. Oh fucking! Um, we had some losing winners. We had a lot of sliding winners thanks to Bronner. That was a lot of fun. Um, Winter Olympics were fun in general. Uh, we only have to wait two more years to get to Paris yeah. 2024, which should be a ton of fun. Um, well, and, hopefully and by then we, I'm covering it for NBC Live, covering the betting live from Paris. That'd be pretty cool. I'll try. To speak oh yes, that into please. It. I'll speak go. that into existence. But uh, yeah, without further ado, then, for, yeah, well, first ever uh, guest appearance in the deep dive. Welcome, uh, food snob frog. Thank you very much, guys. Very happy to be here. Sorry about the no video, but I'm traveling and I'm in a bad Wi-Fi spot, so too bad. But thanks Sorry. for having me. Very, very, very glad to be here tonight. Yeah, Dan, quickly whipped up a very nice photo for you if you're watching this in the youtube if you're listening on the uh podcast forum even if you just go very, at very it apropos yeah it's, worth, <laughs> it's it's very worth popping we'll over, get some yeah. wine wrecks too yeah not not, sure. not, oh, yes. not only not only the fact that you follow golf bet golf but you are in europe and there has been you know the, the live tournament was in london and now there's a bunch of you know scuttlebutt around what the dp tour is gonna do and it's funny how us americans are so insulated from everything else that like <laughs> i think even people that maybe watch golf bet golf might struggle to tell you what the dp tour is because it kind of did change names and i mentioned mm -hmm. this too in the chat with uh julian i said you know us americans again we're so used to one regulatory body for our sport you know football is is the NFL, college football is the NCAA, and it's, you know, obviously tennis. We're not even going to get into that. There's like six people or six places taking care of that. But I think a lot of people have learned that lately with all the majors are run by different entities that are not mm -hmm. the PGA. And then, you know, we have the the DP that is running the world tour. And of course, there's a shitload of other ones. You know, the Corn Ferry is 
tied in with the PGA, but Sunshine, the Japanese tour, the Australian tour, there's all kinds of things going on. And a lot of people don't realize like there's, there's not just some like one big world golf syndicate running all these things. Even like, you know, you, you talk about a guy like, I want to say, did Rory play over in Dubai uh, early in the season? So yeah. So like a, a guy like Rory, who, you know, is the shining example of the PGA's knight in shining armor. He's played events for six different entities in the last 12 months then. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a whole thing. And uh, yeah, it's very right. interesting. It's, yeah, it's just, it's a, he's just a mercenary. It's a very good point because it goes to the basis of why there is a Live Golf Tour, actually. It's because of how the actually the PGA was created and how it's not a sport organization like the NFL and the NBA. And we can go more in details about that. But it's it's their it's their huge weakness weakness now is that they are not you know uh, own a sport owned by uh, an actual business that runs it. So that's at the root, the core of the issues that they have now. And we and we talked a bit about the PGA has to change, you know, to adapt and to counter the live golf. But they can't. They actually can't. They are just a player organization, and so. We can talk more in details about that, but that's at the root of all of this is that they are very vulnerable right now. And you can think what you want about the Live Golf Tour, but it's a threat. It's, it's a threat. It's definitely a threat in the long run. Very interesting. And I get just really, really recently, like as recently as today, we and we, we knew the pot was going to go up. But I mean, in your opinion... The purse, I'm sure you've seen it with the yeah. purse and the winner's shares for the U.S. Open. If we didn't have an event in London last week, do you think the winner was taking 3.15 in the U.S. Open? Like they were going to move it up a little but I feel like that might have been, I think they might have uh, last second changed how much they moved it up. Because it, it is a yes. very rich purse. The richest probably yes, about time well, for a major. That's maybe the only thing that we've seen from the PGA in terms of what have they done to counter this this other tour is they've tried to just give more money to their biggest players. And and that's what we saw last year with the PIP, the famous PIP money was just a way for them to give more money to their top players. But when you go to the basis of it, the, the PGA tour is there to help their members. And in their statute, uh, Peter Malnati has exactly the same rights as Rory McIlroy. And that is the issue. It's at the, the fundament of, of all problem is that they are popular because of the, their big stars, but they have a duty to represent all of the players. And they are not a business itself. They, they pretend they're a charity just for fiscal reasons. And all of this, their construction, their infrastructure is extremely weak. And that's the reason the Saudis targeted them. They've dipped their fingers in Formula One, which is actually a sport owned just by one guy. It was created by one guy, you know, Bernie Ecclestone, and it's owned by one business and controlled very much. So they couldn't do much there. Then they tried football or soccer, if you want, and buy some teams, but they can't own the leagues. And then they came across golf and they was like, wait, wait a second here. Huh? Golf, those guys, they're just free agents. We could do whatever the hell we want. You offer them money, they go there. So they were like a prime target for those guys. And that that's basically what happened. That makes a ton of sense. 
And okay. it even actually um, brings up maybe a point of comparison that I wanted to make about the broadcast itself. It felt like like they were trying to make it look and feel like an F1 broadcast, right? The, the way that the, the name the sidebar was exactly the sidebar, like, the yeah. colors, the that's true. You know, the just in the general spirit of the broadcast was trying to make it feel like an F1. Yeah, and that's that's the other major weakness about PGA is everybody complains about the product. It's a bad product when you know how much they have in terms of potential of players, of star power attraction of those guys and the events that they show, and they are the mercy of those old broadcasting uh, houses like CBS, you know, that are just entrenched in their ways of working. And there, it, it feel, it's all very old fashioned. And it, when you go back all the way to the roots of the PGA Tour, you know, it was, uh, it was basically exhibition events, you know, with stars and all that stuff. It wasn't really a sport until two decades ago. And, and so it's very interesting that uh, there are two issues there. One, the infrastructure, the organization. The other one is the quality of the product and the broadcast. And so that's where Liv believe they can do something better. Honestly, they haven't reached that at all right now because the product is still quite poor. But they are trying to do different things to different formats. You know, that leaderboard was actually pretty cool, except those stupid short names that nobody knew which player was what initials the acronyms you know terrible choice but in a way they're trying to be innovative and they're just scratching at the surface right now sure and to be honest as a first event ever it wasn't a catastrophe and it wasn't like a complete shit show they actually put up an event <laughs> that had a winner Okay, the course was bad. Uh, they were unlucky <laughs> that there was unlucky that there was zero suspense on the last day. Yeah. But I don't think they could yeah. control that in any way. You know, the Schwarzschild just run away with it, and there was yeah. zero suspense at the end who was going to win it. But they can't yeah. do anything about that. What did you guys think of the, of the I, broadcast? Here, let me let me go first, and then I want Andy's opinion. Yeah, I thought it was it was a joke. It felt like an absolute farce. Yeah. The, yeah, the, total the, the exhibition the team, the team logos hysterically bad. The co level competitiveness <laughs> not there at all. The fifty-four mm. hole format was bad. I thought the fact that there was mm. no golf on Sunday, like I'm not sure why that was an innovation that they needed to test. I don't know why three days of golf was an innovation that people felt like was necessary. Um, and I thought the, uh, um, you know, just in general, they, it it could not have been a worse juxtaposition to what happened with the Canadian Open, where you had yeah, that like was random though explosive scoring yeah. and a really really loaded leaderboard on Sunday, and you know I think you know it was PGA got was, lucky on that one. PK, they, well, yeah, they, they I think the players <laughs> I think the players responded in a way like they felt like they had to put on a show to a degree, um, and you know the guys stepped up and treated that. Canadian Open like it was bigger than it was but uh good for them for doing it um and honestly like yeah like by the time I was watching Sunday golf and you know watching the final round of the Canadian Open like I'd kind of forgotten all about the live event <laughs> frankly yes. like it had yes. been over for a day it was tough to find scores which is weird like even just getting like a like a general idea of yeah. what was happening was not easy it was tough to understand exactly where players were because of the shotgun format even though the shotgun format did allow for a lot 
more concentrated watching of golf if that's what you tune in for, I guess. Um, but yeah, I didn't were, really look. Yeah. Yeah. Being advocate of the devil, there were more golf shots shown. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't have advertising. Yeah. That's a huge plus, of course. Sure. And sure. Um, the format, I think the 54 holes, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the way that it, it stopped on Saturday, I think it was to give they promised the players they would have time to get to the US Open. I'm pretty sure this is something just temporary and then they're going yeah, to Yeah, other events will end on Sunday. Yes. So Dan, Dan confirmed that for us. Okay. And then the the shotgun, I mean, it's a great idea on paper, but on the last day it could get very weird. If somebody, you know, just <laughs> wins on a hole and then everybody continues to play, I mean, that's <laughs> going to create some issues. But um, I, I thought the commentary, the commentary was terrible. I mean, yes, it was just like yeah. pure propaganda. That was yes. just very bad. Yeah. But I was actually impressed in terms of the number of cameras they had, the number of goal shots we saw. There wasn't really much difference in quality in terms of of pure camera and broadcast production. And yes. that's what impressed me. I thought it would be just like a streaming event, but it wasn't. Yeah. And on, on the leaderboard stuff, I think they just wanted people to, they did this purposely because they wanted to get as many YouTube viewers as they could. So you could only see the leaderboard on YouTube, right? Yeah. What do yeah, you think? That's that that's not a that's something I haven't heard yet. That's interesting. Yeah, it was I yeah, the, the broadcasters were kind of rough, but honestly, yeah. the PGA broadcasters, the way they were carrying water, yes. like both tours were kind of hard to watch this week. Yeah. Because but, it's like they were they you know, they had their pre-production meetings and they were told to say certain things. Like, man, just cover golf, both of you guys. That would be great. Yeah. The shotgun start could get really weird on a Sunday. Um, you mentioned how it was a runaway by Schwartzel that kind of saved it, but yeah, they, they, the scoreboard on the side, I love, they need to fix it. So I know who's who, and they yes. should also, you know, it, it'd be better if it said which hole they were on kind of yeah, the team, the team format is a complete fucking joke, especially that the two best teams didn't draft any players. That's just scandalous. I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't yeah. make, it didn't make any sense. Like they could probably scrap the team thing or, or, or do like a, a points thing at the end of the, like, it doesn't matter. They kept showing yes. the team scores for the tournament. No one cares about that. Maybe after the tournament, you know, like a, a some sort of a FedEx team points, Towards the end of the year, you could say like which team was the most dominant. That might be something, but during the tournament, people aren't going to care. I liked constant golf, and like you mentioned off the air, they have so much money set aside. I'm not so sure they have to take on sponsors and put commercials in. They should. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the fact that they can just not show commercials ever would be wild for for these events. And it's funny. I ended up watching more live than PGA. Because wow. I just didn't watch golf on Saturday or Sunday. I was out of town, and oh, I went yeah. to ba- I went to the baseball games in the track. So like I didn't get to take in a lot of golf. At the end of the day, you know, I caught some of the end of Sunday, and I realized like, man, I, I probably watched more LIV on on the damn YouTube <laughs> than I watched the Canadian here's, Open. Here's and the, the thing. Canadian if... Open too. I will say, Drew, you know, yeah, you yeah. mentioned the players stepping up at the end. I do think that was part PGA. Oh yeah, for they, sure. They they set the course up in a way that yes. Justin Rose could have shot a fifty-seven if he yes. didn't screw it up. Like the yeah. the pin positions and the watering and everything were set up for. Let's go out there and have some fireworks, fireworks on Sunday yeah. when all all eyes are back on us. Yeah, which was that was smart. That was fine. It was the best thing they've done. In a Absolutely. While. Yeah. So and here's the other thing: if the major innovations are they showed more golf shots, 
that's an easy fix. Like the PGA has long had an opportunity to put pressure on the broadcasters to do a better job of packaging their product, and they've, but they've never, never done it though. Now, but now, now their hands. Well, no, it's an easy but fix because they've never exercised that. They've never. No, but they're stuck. Never... They're stuck with sponsors. I think they've they've <clears> basically <throat> sold so much. Uh, naming rights, sponsor rights with all kinds of like the FedEx cup points and all that stuff, the Aeon risk reward, they're stuck in those contracts. And and I'm pretty sure that they've had those discussions with the broadcasters. We want to so show more golf, but then the broadcast companies go back and say, wait a second, <laughs> we just paid fucking 5 billion for the rights for 10 years. Now you can't come and tell us to show more golf because we got to sell the advertising space right to justify the money we gave you for that 10-year contract. So they're stuck in that, and that could be a danger. You know what I mean? Those broadcasters yeah. have to make their money back, especially now that some of the stars of the PGAs are leaving for another tour. Wow, let's, now let's zero in on that. Uh -huh. Because the guys that have left, in my opinion, is kind of a who's who of have aged, either aged or skilled out of really contending. But Drew, those guys are very popular. Mickelson, mm -hmm. he's huge. He's number sure. two to Tiger. Sure. He brings audience. He like a general people that don't follow golf. They know Lefty, sure. and so that's an issue. DJ is also well known. Even P. Reed, everybody hates him. Guess what? He's got great audience figures. You know, so this is could be an issue. Is that? Even though those guys are not great golfers, they are audience attraction. Yeah, but you know Did what? You, you see the you know videos of Phil and Boston. You know who else you can say that about though? David Beckham, who went to LA Galaxy. You can say that about. Uh, you can say that about yes. uh, Messi, who's about to go to Miami. Right? Yeah, I, any I, of that move the needle for MLS? No. See, but no. that's that's a really no, poor that's, that's a no. poor comparison. No, because no, because the US doesn't care about <laughs> soccer. No, I know, but but at the same time, like it's a it's a it's a it's a venture look, where they're trying eh, to create a product. Like that yes, eyeballs, yes, and they're they're getting these over the hill talent. And honestly, like I guess my point is, the best golfers in the world are all still in the PGA Tour, and they have elected to do so. And guys like Rom out there making statements like, you know, I don't, you know, the money is not a factor. Like I could retire tomorrow. And, you know, I'm in this because I want to take home titles at, you know, at the world's best golf courses in a format that's existed for hundreds of years. Like that was, a great, years. That. that was a great statement and a great sentiment. And I think, yes, but it doesn't yeah. work long term. I think that there is an issue. I mean, Andy touched on it last week and that was very, very good of him is that the biggest threat for the PGA Tour are the young amateurs. Sure. If Live Golf is able yeah. to attract those guys, PGA will have a huge issue because the stars of tomorrow could be on the Live Tour instead of the PGA. The John Rams, the Victor Hovlands and the Morikawas of tomorrow could be there and that's a big issue and my my main worry i completely agree that lift golf right now is a piece, pile of crap but my worry <laughs> yes, is that it is. my worry my worry is that pga tour is unable to change themselves yeah. to counter that yeah so you so, so in terms of likely paths you think either one live golf remains a pile of crap and the pga is never really threatened or live golf gets their shit together and then the exactly. PGA is in deep trouble. Live, okay. live golf could improve rapidly. And look, already last year they had the pip. Four guys in the top 10 
will be on the Live Golf Tour in only their second event. Think about that. The pip is around who are the most influential golfers right now in the world. And four of those guys will play in Portland on the Live Golf Tour. That is a huge threat for the PGA Tour. You know what I mean? And, you know, in, in the terms of like a startup, you know, the, the, the runway, the burn, you know, where yes. you have this much time, it's, it would be, again, we've made the comparison to like USFL, XFL. Like, let's say this, what are we playing right now? What is the current league that we have going that sucks? USFL? USFL. If yeah. the USFL had been able to get Kayvon Thibodeau to come play and, you know, Walker, let's just say the whole first round of players. And they, let's say they did that three years in a row. Yes. I don't think those players like attract enough attention at their age and where they're at at their skill sets to like make it. Oh my God, this is on par with the NFL. And eventually, you'd have to you'd have to compete with the NFL contracts. USFL couldn't, and they would if they tried to do something uh, like that. The they would go. Difference. They would go. Yeah, they would go bankrupt. They wouldn't have the money. Yes. Whereas, like, when you have someone exactly. who can sustain this for a a very years. long time. Yeah, they, they can, you know, these amateurs they're getting now, you know, they, they can be mature stars or flame out. Some of them won't be any good, but they can get all of them or a good chunk of them. They in, in 10 years when they have all the good young players and that's uh, it's become a, a good product because of that. That's what's going to, I mean, that's the biggest difference is they have so much cash to just sit and sit yeah, on this runway. But the forever. length of that runway is five years. It's Why? gonna take. Okay. It's gonna take five years before. Before it's gonna take five years before people are sitting there and asking themselves, "Wait, are the oh?" Best I thought you meant the end of the runway. No, no, no. I'm saying like what it's gonna take five years before people are oh, sitting there asking themselves, no. "Wait, are the best golfers in the world playing here or here?" I can't. Five might tell. be short. Yeah, yeah, it might yeah. be it's gonna take a long time. Yeah, it's gonna take a long time. And but, and but honestly, that's a long play. That five, but in that five year gap, like where the where the live golf tour is running way fewer events per year they're not anywhere close to as prestigious as even like the second or third tier uh you know pga tour events just on name and you know sponsors and golf courses like i it i you know i just feel like you can only exist as you know without any prestige without any recognition as like a viable you know with the, without looking like a clown no, but, show, without being a sideshow or clown you know like no, but a, like right a, now it looks like a clown show to you but they could really improve i mean i'm not saying that they will because i still have doubts i mean they basically if you look at what they did the pgl those english guys you know from the sports management company sure. they came up with the idea they got they went to the saudis for part of the financing and the Saudis went full in on the idea. They were like, okay, we're behind you. And then when the backlash happened against the PGL because of the Saudi backing, <laughs> Saudi just stole their idea and ran away with it. Jerry and so that, that's why it's, it, I have some doubts in their ability to improve the product. But I think that they could seriously improve the product. And you could see even more golfers leaving you know like uh justin rose you know all those names bubba watson i mean you have to give it the whole year at the end of the eight ev events of the live of this year you could sort of make a judgment okay you know where is this going but they could really create something 
that's uh, actually watchable and that could have an impact on the PGA long term because the 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 in the end people forget you know and that's the whole thing about sports washing is that there will be less emphasis on Saudi money. This will all sort of go away, just like the Beijing Olympics. You know, people didn't focus on first. It was like, oh, let's boycott it. And in the end, everybody watched it. And so that's what they're banking on. And I think the NBA on, on, that, on, that, on, that, on that subject, to, to, I don't think that Lyft Golf has, is because this is something you talked about on the pod last week, it doesn't really have, it's not meant for Saudis themselves inside the kingdom. Sure. Um, it's really for, look, the king of Saudi Arabia, he's a dictator, he's a tyrant, but he doesn't see himself as being that. And that's something very important to understand about dictators. He really thinks that he is a powerful leader and leading his country. He wants his country to be one of the leading countries in the world. And so this initiative is sort of to flatter his ego and show him your country can actually be like a normal country, can compete with the US, put up big, big sports events. And that's why there is like an unlimited amount of money available to those guys, because it's based in the end, the real true reason is just to flatter the king. Yeah. To, and to I guess, show him. Right. Sorry, Andy. No, no. And I, I, I did want to ask before we get over to the US Open, I want to ask a little more about the DP, but it, it did make me think too, is uh, you, you had a very salient point there is we should probably wait not only the eight events to see where live is in eight events but see if the pga has budged an inch on anything you know th yes. there's so many domino we got to find out like what is what is the what does a live broadcast and a live field look like at the end of these eight events what has the, what has the pga done to change has the Masters Committee, the you know the RNA, has anyone else made any moves against them? Has again, we'll get to DC that's that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. If they can get the, the WGR points, and if the majors, they are not excluded from the majors, that's basically you know it's going to help the Lyft Tour survive. If all oh, yeah. the majors excluded those guys, then it would die. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen. And if you look at the politics of golf. The majors, they've never really liked the PGA Tour. And so, <laughs> yeah, look, right. the PGA Tour was itself, itself was created as a rebel organization to the US PGA. Yeah, right. I don't know if you know that, but so the US PGA organizes the PGA Championship. They're not friends with the PGA Tour. Then the US GA, who organizes the US Open this week, they are, represent the amateur, they represent the game of golf in general and without any affiliation to any professional organization. And okay. then the Masters, that's even more interesting because they could actually have if they look at it politically strategically they could be the ones that replace the pga tour if the pga tour kind of explodes because in a way the only way the pga tour is going to survive to to compete with those guys is if they completely change the their reason for being which is not represents the players but just be like an organization like nfl or nba who actually you know owns the game and then pays those guys to play it yeah, you know what I mean. They so, have to change. I, well, so and I, and and yeah. it's funny too that the change thing is get me thinking of somebody that tweeted like, you know, we we talk about where will the live be in eight events, where will the majors move, and then the the third part of that equation is will the 
PGA change. The PGA changes so slowly. Okay, like, we did, they, okay. They let me struggle. let me let me like, let me put a, let me put, a, true, let me put an explanation. I got to mention that. the tweet. I got to mention oh, yeah, the tweet. Go, oh yeah, go ahead. Like, go ahead. as it took them until 1990 to say, "All right, we won't play on segregated courses anymore." Like, yeah, sure. Exactly. Like they 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 really drag their feet yeah. when it comes to society. So I think between the three of us and you guys feel obviously strongly enough about this that you've moved the needle for me. The likelihood of the PGA changing and adapting is pro is low, and so almost certainly yes. that means that this hurts the PGA. And so I yes. think yes. I think the PGA not changing and getting hurt is a high likely scenario. Okay, and but I think maybe the, that's a catalyst for change. For maybe that. yeah exactly. yeah and honestly like if, if somebody comes along and builds it better and then the pga dies i don't think anyone's really crying over that but that's fine um so let me ask you then as a better food snob frog uh, <laughs> make it make a market for me uh, between these three potential outcomes um the live in in five years live golf never gets their act together it's still a circus and you know and both tours are, you know are are you know pga is worse for it and live is still a joke Okay, what mm -hmm. price probability of that versus in five years, Liv has really gotten it together and is putting on equal to or better events and people are asking themselves which tour are the world's best golfers actually playing on. Mm -hmm. And then the third is after five years, Saudi Arabia loses interest and decides, oh, you know what? We, you know, the Premier League went belly up and we bought that ultimately and that would that's more interesting to us now and we give up on golf right like something some external event happens where they're they're all of a sudden all in on f1 or for soccer and they they uh they lose interest in golf right like what are the mm -hmm. wh how, how do you break down those three and is there a fourth one i'm, <laughs> I'm forgetting about as far as possible outcomes first first as an advantage player and better i would tell you this is way too early to put up any kind of but the second the second one i think the third option is the least likely the fact that they lose interest or just stop after five years um okay. and the maybe the first option would be the favorite for me that they actually managed to get maybe 50 percent of the stars of the pga tour actually go to better courses tweak the format when it's better and i mean 54 holes that's because people want a four-day tournament is kind of too long people want stuff you know more modern quicker and so they could tweak the format when it actually gets interesting and they could start going to really interesting courses, courses that can't be played by the PGA or by majors because they are either too small and all of that stuff, so like like the legendary courses in the world, where it could they could actually draw some massive attention. So uh, I would say that's that's the favorite, and 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 the lead and the second in the middle would that the PGA would change enough to to make live irrelevant. Um, I think that has, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. It's it's still a bit more chance than the live stopping, but the favorite is, is basically that live will still be there in five years and will be, re will be relevant. Because there are, there are not that many tournaments, well, like what John Ram said, a lot of the legacy stuff is the majors. Of course, Riviera, the Memorial, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's like, there's like there's like four yeah, or five. Tor Max. Torrey Pines, Pebble Beach, 
more Tory <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, Pines, there's. It's yeah, not there. a great course, you know. Tory Pines is. Oh, not I know, really I know. But, people, but, but but sitting down and watching golf in San Diego and the beautiful Pacific sunset on a sun, you know, in, in, a, in, a, on a Feb, in, a, in January is, is pretty nice. Exactly. Um, but no, no. Let's let's. I I think realistically. The fact is, this is all probably going to end poorly. Sad. This is going to be a sad kind of dissolution of the PGA Tour in some way, shape, or form. That we are like, wow, that's a bummer that that happened. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, and, it uh, and yeah, for me, it seems to, like to maybe, maybe close the subject. For me, what's yeah. really important is that PGA Tour created this problem themselves. Yeah, right. I mean, the Saudis looked at every major sports and they came on golf. Why? Because of the weak organization, ah, the bad structure, and, yeah. the, and the quality. <laughs> yeah. of the I feel like tennis and is next if this works. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. They were the sick antelope at the back of the herd. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, let's talk about the uh, the premier event this week a little bit then in the US yes. Open. Uh, and I'd like to ask you a little bit about your process. I guess for our listeners who aren't aware, I know you are a very, very um, uh, avid golf better in general. Would you say that's your number one sport in terms of asset allocation when it comes to sports betting? Yeah, it has changed, I must say, the last one or two years. And But it historically, it's been my number one sport for sure. I've been betting it for almost 25 years. Oh, yes. Awesome. <laughs> I'm sure you're a boomer. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I've been betting for almost 25 years, so it's not that good. There you go. Um, there you not go. golf, though. I've only been betting golf for... Uh, been well, there were some dark ages. With the, the Tiger years are known as the dark ages of golf betting, I can tell you that. <laughs> so uh, is your strategy generally to focus on the um, outright markets and the um, and the derivatives of those outright markets? Or do you uh, zero in on head-to-heads and matchups and things like that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm like your typical Euro better. I'm really much focused on outrights. Um, a lot has shifted toward the exchange and live trading the last, you know, five years. Um, but also the deriv- derivatives of outrights, of course, and, and head-to-heads, I've, I've doubled in that, but it's it's a very American type of betting. And I, <laughs> I, I defer to my, to my American colleagues when it comes to that. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, much, like sure. I said, I'm much more an advantage player. I, I've, I've been using retail books in Europe and, and sort of exploiting <laughs> their inefficiencies. That's, that's really my angle. Okay, so um, live. Let's talk about a little bit about like uh, an outright and a live trade. Um, as mm-hmm. you come across, you know, <clears throat> do you put together a portfolio on the outset that has, you know, you're just trying to capture best price. Uh, you yes. know, you're trying you're trying to beat the price between the open and the golf tournament starting Absolutely. before it starts. And then how how like like what is like the the general kind of allocation between a Monday and a Sunday? Monday prices are are a feast, you know. I mean, it's it's great to to really go up against the odds makers right at the open of markets. That's basically my been my bread and butter. Uh, I never people always ask me, okay, so who's going to win this week? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I can't tell you. What I can tell you is that this pre, this guy shouldn't be fifty to one. He's going to end the week at thirty three to one. So I'm betting him at fifty. I have no idea if he's going to win. I'm I bet numbers. I don't bet golfers, and sure. that's really the process that I have. But uh, yeah, the exchange is so much dependent on liquidity. And the last few years, Betfair liquidities on golf have been terrible so it's i had really? to change a little bit my taxi yeah yeah interesting 
it's very light. What, what, is oh, that it's... because market makers are just like, we can't beat this, we're moving on, or what? You're 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 hurting it. You're hurting them too bad. They give up on. Uh, no, 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 no. I think I Someone think has they. To match. They yes, that the market the market is dominated by big big players, which have, you know, thousand times the quant quantic quant uh, physics capacity that I have, and they they dominate the market. There's not enough like re, like recreational betters that are betting on the exchange that I could exploit those guys instead of exploiting. You know the bloom and those guys <laughs> i can't do yeah. that so when yeah when when there's two advantage players trying to match on on an exchange exactly they both go home without a bet like that's yeah. that's how that goes they, they, yeah. neither of them finds finds that happy medium and it's funny too like I, we just don't think about betting that way where it's like remember when i was helping uh uh who's our scottish guy god I, I feel bad i can't think of his name Sully out with oh, some yeah. golf content. Sure. And yes. I had a, I had our He's guy. He's Irish, uh, Irish, Irish, Irish. Irish. Oh man. Don't tell my I'm going to tell him. I'm what's happening. Yeah. We're, it's all the same. They're all the same country up there, guys. <laughs> I, they all just need to get right. Um, either way he, I had Louie um, in the tournament. He lost to John Rahm in the fourth round. Mm -hmm. there. And I, I'd got an early number. US Open. Yeah. Yeah, I got Louis at an early number ninety, I think, and we mm -hmm. got back on the show the next week. And I was, I was sad. I was not happy that uh, I didn't win that bet because it, it uh, accrued quite a bit of value throughout the tournament. And I mean, right away he didn't even ask me. He's just like, oh man, yeah, you probably made some money there. I bet you, you yeah. could have traded out there on Sunday for quite a bit. I'm like, we don't have that. I can't, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I can't just you know go take the Louis no on the exchange or lay. I don't. I feel weird saying lay Louis, but uh, <laughs> I, you know the the way that somebody could on the exchange and yeah, the more I thought about it, I'm like. Yeah, and also I, you have even the, for the, like half the, the stake. I wish the, I could have. Or the each way places, you know, like you would have. If you take yeah. a ninety to one with places, then you would at least get some of your money back with the each way. Yeah. Okay, so when what we are, we are starting to have some of that at some of the book. Three six five is now in New Jersey yes. and maybe one other place. So we do have some of that. Canadian yeah. betters have each way. So that's something I probably should start wasting money on. So uh, so let's say you feast on prices on Monday. You find mm -hmm. you see the uh, you see the the, the groupings. As we get closer to the tournament, mm -hmm. there's wave bias. There's just in general time bias because some guys tee off earlier, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Do you make any adjustments between that's, feasting on prices and, and, the golf, and the tournament starting? That's funny because it's always been one of my big, um, how could I say, favorite thing to say is that the weather bias and draw biases are has have historically always been overvalued by betters mm -hmm. and the public. I think that's really statistically I've looked at it and the only time there's a really real draw bias because of weather is during the Scottish Open or the Irish Open and of course maybe the British Open but it's limited to just a few weeks a year and that often wind is so unpredictable that it's it's most of the time just being over overestimated or overvalued by betters. And I am, I'm often on the on the other side of it, actually, when people think, oh, there's a draw bias that way. And uh, that's been also exacerbated by DFS, you know, where you're very scared that your lineup sure. is affected. Sure. It, well, it actually gives me angle to to counter that and, and, and made some money by it. 
by by, by betting against the draw well, bias. Well, what what about the fact though that if you're betting, if you if you've already gotten the guys at fifty to one who closed thirty three to one, but they're yes. afternoon tea times. Yes. Weather and draw bias aside, by the time they tee off, they've drifted. On the exchange? It doesn't happen? Doesn't really happen. Uh, I mean, not all the time, but but certainly for me, I will look at, at, at trading out of a bet. So if I bet somebody 50 to 1 and they, and they, and they tee off at 33 to 1, I will cover some of my position uh, to 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 make sure I get I get some of it out, some out of it. Yeah. And so, but and so, it's very yeah. Trading PGA, is, yeah. is PGA is championship art. had to be huge because Rory shot in the morning a six under in the morning, and so yes. basically half the field and a bunch of the contenders had not even teed well, off. And actually, and their win probabilities the, were already nuked. The the so, af- and the af- the afternoon wave. Was the one who had like a two-stroke advantage yeah. there? Yeah, it was. Yes. It was. It was a backwards yeah, wind one, right. and and that's the thing. Like I'm sitting here and telling you, there was a two-stroke difference at the PGA for those two waves, but that's the thing. Like I'm telling you this in June, like to Food Snob's <laughs> point, it is very unpredictable, and a lot of people can. We remember that. I remember that one because it was big. But that's that one, one event where you hear this, yeah, but, and, you and hear the only thing week, you have to remember is that week, and like, JT won, and JT won, and he was on the wrong side of the draw. Yep. So that's just the proof. That oh it's yeah, being the, and, overvalued. And the thing is, too, it's you know I, I gave one example, but you hear it every week, and it's not every week we see big differences, and and you know even even the one where was at uh, Sawgrass. We had the really yeah, the weird players. wind over the, yeah, the, wind over the weekend. Crazy. Like, like that's fine and all. We can talk about it. Like when we look back at results and we say, "I hate to use his uh, players' results because he was in the bad wave," but before the tournament is when you have to bet, and mm-hmm. there was no way to protect. Like, okay, the guys that are going out from these tea times are going to get just bent over a barrel and thrown into a hurricane. Like again, it's it's so impossible. To break that thing when there is a narrative out in the DFS streets, I, I like that a bit of a contrarian angle. Mm, interesting. Okay, so then, as the tournament goes on, and if it's a competitive field, better events from a live trading perspective, if there are like big names at the leaderboard and it's relatively close, or do you find better value in the derivative markets when it's a runaway and there's less interest overall? <sighs> That's a good question, but honestly, Betfair Exchange is so influenced by liquidity, and it's quite random how much liquidity is actually uh, available week to week. It does. It is. I mean, during majors, there is much more liquidity, and it's much easier to really trade. In any other events like the DP World Tour right now, is an absolute shambles and you can't really trade on DP World Tours also because it has this narrative that all the guys leading on Sunday morning never win <laughs> you know nobody is able to close out the tournament yeah it's right. just a shit show yeah. every Sunday yeah. but um I, it's it's uh, it's it's just a small part of what I do trading Betfair there are guys that do this full-time I don't have the luxury of being able to do this full time, you know, like the the tennis traders or the cricket traders. I'm not as advanced as those guys, but for me, it's more about getting value and then 
um, getting one one great way to do it on Betfair Exchange, you can actually get all your stakes back and you still have some bets that are live at nice odds with some of the runners. And it's basically a zero risk tournament in the end for you where you're 100% sure you're not going to lose money and you might have a nice payday at the end of it. That's that's usually my goal week to week. Fantastic. Okay, so what's your goal this week? And what is your read on the U.S. Open in what looks to be the most difficult and competitive field? I have not made a bet yet on this tournament. I do not know what to bet on this tournament. There are way, way, way too many things going on. I just not, have not had time uh, to really get involved. I'm guessing it's, it's too, too late. It's, yeah. it's too late, mate. It's too late. Okay. So where, All well, the where, good where, prices are yeah. gone. What are the prices <laughs> in pocket for you? Because I, I, you, you send me stuff all the time that you're like, I got this on this, and I'm like, how in the hell <laughs> Did you do that? What were some of the like how very small hell? stakes? <laughs> yeah, what what are some of the how in the hell prices that you have in pocket as we get ready for this tournament? Now I think this tournament is very interesting because we talked about it's okay, it's a new course that nobody really knows. Last event there was 1989 or something. I mean, yeah. the course has completely changed. And if you look at the last two US opens or like at the Pebble Beach or at Torrey Pines, those are courses that we know from the normal rotation. So those majors at courses that are kind of unknown is, are always very interesting. And for me, they bring, I think I have more edges on those than uh, the normal regular courses. Why? Because I'm a golf architecture fan. <laughs> and uh, I love okay. to look at the history of those courses, also having played on some of those. And um, so this week is, is really interesting because of the, historically, it's a very important US Open course. Um, on 1913, Francis we may who people think, say he's American, actually is a French name. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, it's, it's a nice historic course and it's been completely revamped by probably the, one of the best architects right now, which is Gil Hens. And knowing, and, and also the USGA had this uh, era of uh, Mike Davis stepping, um, um, setting up the courses like Super Pinot, if you yeah. remember, uh, they, yeah. they didn't want people to break par. But right. the last few years, it's a different guy. It's Ben Hammer, I think his name is, a bone hammer. And he sets up the courses much nicer. Um, they don't want to have the backlash of players complaining about the setup. And uh, so they have gradual rough. And But this course has such small greens, very slopey greens. And I, I would say the two main things that came out of this is for me is driving accuracy because there is really high fescue so when you look at what bryson did uh last time he was able to get out of this thick rough but that was never knee high or even hip high but this week you can have that and the second part is is scrambling it's gonna you're gonna need some magic around the greens to get out of trouble and everybody's gonna get in trouble because of firm and fast conditions on very small greens that you have to access from long distances i looked yeah i saw some maps uh some overhead maps of the greens some of them looked like topography maps of like counties in chile like oh. they were, I mean, <laughs> there were, there are saddles and there are ridges and there are, yes. you know, tears there are, and these. And there are blind shots. You know, tiny. that's, it's a very, it's a very frustrating course. And that's why some of the stuff, you know, like 
one guy like Billy Horschel. He's had an amazing season. And when he's on form, he seems unbeatable. But he's part of those players where you think, and even John Ram can be like this sometimes, where they can kind of lose their patience. Yeah, yeah. Is it really, it's not a good course, I would say, for Bidi Ho. And whereas cool-blooded guys like Morikawa or, you know, Sung Im, who don't show any emotion and just go about, it's really a grinder's course. And, and it's not, there's no premium on birdie. It's, it's premium on making pars instead of bogeys. Okay, so what's one bet you made for an outright that you are not just like, I can't believe I got this price, but you're like... <laughs> I think this has a realistic shot to come home. Mm, very hard. The top of the market's very hard to decrypt for me. I'm more of a of a long shot type of guy that that that's yeah. hoping that some of it. Um, I did get some JM at sixty six to one <laughs> plus thirty six hundred now. Okay. Is, okay. Um, but that's 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 one bet I liked. I I got Max Homa at Pinnacle at one hundred and twenty to one. Okay, he's plus four eighty eight now. Four eight um, eight forty yeah forty eight to one now. Yeah. I like Max's chance because I you know that's also something I've seen. You know, for example, Sam Burns. I mean, Burns really great player, having an amazing season. If you look at it, what has he done in majors? Just like Billy Horschel. Not that much. There's oh. he likes those PGA setups, wet courses, balls stopping on the green on a dime. He's not the type of linksy wild type of course that we're gonna see this week. So I would sort of fade those guys. I would whereas Max Homa has proven himself as a very good player on difficult tracks, and that's one of the things that's one tip I would have for like when you don't know the course. So you don't have course history or course fit. Look at the players that perform well on difficult tracks. And that's one of the things that I look at for this week, for example. Okay. I'm going to back Cam Young over Billy Ho at minus 114. I'm going to take home like over. The, How about home over Connors at plus so, Love it. Because for me, I also one thing that I, that I think maybe a little bit contrarian, slopey, fast greens actually help what we call bad putters okay. and so this is this is a good angle to have those ball strikers tony finau is a great bet that i got about finau over one. burns finau over burns minus 122 strike your fancy mm, i'd prefer minus 15 or minus 110 but <laughs> i can only give I'm you minus sure. 122. <laughs> okay. i like finau for sure this yeah. week um and so another I think a nice little twist is around the green. That's ARG is one of the strokes gained around the green is one of my favorite stats. People will dismiss it as random and for many good reasons, but in some cases it can be very helpful. And for example, if you're able to, I don't want to give away too much, but if you're able in your model to take away to to classify the types of strokes around the greens, it can provide you great information. So, for example, chipping out of high rough is much easier of ch than chipping out of short grass. And for example, you know who is the fourth best chipper out of high grass around the green 
on tour or this week? I know who's not. <laughs> I know who I, uh, right off the top of my head, I can tell you I can a think of an guys, I'm going to go kid. find prices yeah. that I'm going to fade. Yeah. Well, that guy is Victor Hovland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he is, right. He is right. the fourth best chipper out of high grass around the greens. Does that blow your mind? Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, I suppose if it sits up a little higher and you're just never going to have a problem getting under it. Exactly. Um, and and so, that is true. So like, that's, what, that's, what a great, that's a great angle when people say, oh, Victor can't chip. Well, uh, how about yeah, the fact that, like how about that, the fact that, that course management misses end up in the sand there. so often here? Eh, sand is not hard anymore. No? People are too good out of sand. Well, Hov Hovland. Hovland is not great out of the sand. No. I will give you that. Yes. But are you sure that they will end up in the sand on this course? Where it feels like a lot that? of the misses look like sand to me. But I'm no, also because... not strongly convicted in that. Uh huh. I think they have a bit of high grass around the bunkers, which, pre which prevents the ball from actually going into the bunkers if you miss. But um, we'll have to see how it plays out on yeah. this one. Wow. But I like the the ARG talk because there is a lot of misuse of some of these just stats if you just use them broadly. Yes, yes. Where it's like, especially, and like you said, rightfully so, a guy chips in a couple times, uh, you know, just a couple it's lucky chips, and, and his, his ARG is way off the whack where you, mm -hmm. you, know, you run into some weird numbers. If you can splice that out and look at it, and the same thing went. I, I started looking at just courses that played tough or rounds that played tough, and then I realized again, I've already talked about it. I'm like, man, I'm looking at stats for you know for the year. I just said the last six months rounds where scoring was difficult. And then I realized, like, should I really be taking the players into account here? Like, do I really want to use that data for these people? <laughs> We're not gonna have those kind of conditions. So I I, ch I changed a lot. That and you know, to to Julian's point, a lot of what I looked at this week for like my final cuts of how it was, how I was going to use people and who was, how did they play on other difficult setups and how did they play on places that had just shit ass, <laughs> you know, shit ass rough where there is going to be the second cut. That's going to, you're not going to just roll off the fairway into this nasty rock. Yes. You're going to have to, you have to miss hard, but if you miss hard, you might be taking a drop. Yeah, and I think the fairways will be rock hard. I've talked to guys that have actually played the course very recently, you know, on those mm -hmm. media days, and and uh, I know those guys, and they they told me that you can hit a very good drive, and it will depending on which slopes it falls, it will roll off. Okay. So there could be also again some frustrating situations from some of the players. Interesting. <laughs> Okay, well, you've given me a lot to think of. I know exactly where I'm going now in the matchups thanks to this conversation, and I, uh, I will also be betting and cheering against the live golfers. I hope they all, uh, I hope they all, uh, all miss the cut. That would be uh, just a delight. Phil Mickelson, especially. Uh, I've had enough Phil Mickelson in my life the last uh, the last two as, weeks. As a proponent of chaos theory, I hope a live golfer wins this week. <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine just Oof. like. That Phil versus JT down the stretch. Oof, yes. Wow, that would well, be if they pair if they pair JT watching. and Mickelson. That would be great. Oof, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll wrap up here. Thank you again for, of course, follow uh, Julian at uh, Food Snob Frog on Twitter. Is that your handle? Exactly. All right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate all your insight. That was a great conversation. Best of luck in the U.S. Open, Andy. Where can people find your golf content? That's Bird's Golf. 
and I, I talk about it on brown bag every day. Like I, I'd like to say they, they had me put my golf plays behind a paywall, but I basically, <laughs> give, I basically give them away on every piece of video I do anyway. So you don't have to look too hard to find what I'm playing. Nice. Well, cool. best of luck regardless. And uh, it should be a fascinating uh, next handful of months as we follow what in the world happens to the PGA Tour and mm -hmm. golf and uh, and some some more majors. Obviously, we may uh, we may have to it, depending on how the next couple live events go, we may need to re uh, redo this uh, for the for the open. Um, yes, I would love that. I was going to say the open. I'm sure I will have some great takes, but thanks a lot for having me, guys. All right. Hey, best of luck. Bye bye. Yeah, I'm excited for the US Open now. I yeah, have I'm really hadn't done any prep yet. I'm so fired up. We, we forgot the wine wrecks. Oh, well, you got to get into the <laughs> yeah. entire standalone. It's producer dance fault.